with Four Guys with Quarters. I'm doing a very, very special interview with uh, Kosha, who is a actress and voiceover talent in many, many projects. Uh, very pleased to have met her and very honored that she agreed to come on the show with us today. Uh, on the panel, we have Dreadpool and Crispy Bomb, and it looks like Gaz is connecting now as well. So uh, he'll be on the panel. But Kosha, good morning. Morning. Uh, actually, is it? It's lunchtime by you, right? Past lunchtime. Yes, three o'clock here. Three o'clock. Okay. Um, so I want to go ahead and I'll start off. Um, I want to ask you, how did you get started in in voice acting? Voice acting. So, uh, so there's a company called OMUK over here, Outsource Media UK. And the guy who runs it is called Mark Estale, and he does loads of games. And I worked with him on a play. He was the sound designer. And then he brought me in for my very first game. And then I've been doing it since, I think it's 2007 now. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So, um, let's see. I'm trying to remember how I wanted to phrase this. Now, when you did this, um, was it, were you apprehensible or what was your thought when, when you were approached by doing voiceover? Well, as an actor, it was, it was something that was always appealing um, because it's just one of the, one of the things that, you know, we, we can have in our, in our tool book. Uh, for me, voice acting has always been really freeing. It's much more freeing than being on camera because I always look like myself, even with makeup and whatnot, I basically look like me. But with voice, you can be anything. Uh, so I, I find it, I find it really freeing. I, I always joke about everybody, you know, going in doing the voice acting with their pajamas on. Um, <laughs> now, obviously, you know, some people do, some people don't. They dress up. Uh, do you do anything like that where you dress up to to to, to feel like you're fitting the part? Is there any preparation for that? For voice acting, um, I probably. I don't partly because so much is uh, you have you have to be careful about sound. So even if I wanted to, sometimes it helps if you're playing a really I don't know, say a military character. You know, you you don't want to wear soft clothing, but you've got sound issues, so you have to dress fairly neutrally. But if I'm on camera, definitely it really helps to inform the character. But with voice, it's much more in the mind. All right. What was the first role that you got as a as a voice actress? Very first role. Um, okay, not counting commercials. I think it was it was uh, Rodan, Myth of Ilokim. <laughs> and it oh, was, wow. <laughs> um, I think I played Mandra Diamond. And then pretty much at the same time, I did something called Ankh 3. Uh, and I played a kind of like bitchy character called Tara. Uh, so yeah, they were sort of like small computer games. And then from there, it got bigger and bigger. Now, uh, when you went for some of these roles, did you did you actually get to pick the character that you wanted to be? Or was it um, trying out for what was offered at the time? Yeah, usually um, I just get sent, sometimes you get sent a group of characters because they're not sure where your voice will be. And other times they say, we want you to try out for this character. Here's the breakdown. Usually they have some artwork. Of, if it's a main character, they show you what it looks like so you can, it can help to form what you want to do. 
And they also, uh, sometimes they have voice references. So they'll have links to YouTube clips or whatever, so that you're in the sort of ballpark of what the developer hears. Okay. Um, if anyone in the uh, panel has a question, feel free to jump in. Gaz, I know that you've joined us. I see you up there. Yes, sorry, I'm, I'm just frantically trying to sort out my, uh, my, my profile name has come up as the, the website name. So uh, Kosha, hi, sorry, just running madly late to this. this is, I'll, I'll let clowns uh, <laughs> settle in with the questions as I uh, put out the fires on my end, so apologies. Uh, so one of the questions I had for you was, uh, is there any memorable characters that really stick out uh, for you that you really felt like wow, this role is awesome. I can really relate to this character. Um, for voice acting or for sort of regular acting? Uh, either or. Okay. Um, so I don't know if you've heard of the film or the play Dangerous Liaisons. Uh, it's been done a couple of different times, one with Glenn Close and then another time with um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. What's her name? You know who I mean? Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yeah, Thank you. Yes. So they did a version of it as well. Uh, and in my at university, I got to play Mertoy, the sort of, you know, sort of badass, scheming, sexy woman. And I was way too young to play this role, but I loved it. It was so meaty and like it was a bit evil and it was brilliant. And too often I get cast as like kind of nice characters uh, and I love to play bad characters. Um, what else? I've, I've noticed that as a trend in a lot of actors that they love playing, playing the evil one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because you just get to be naughty and, you know, you spend most of your life trying to be like a good person, good citizen. And then, you know, you can you can just be just turn on the dark and it's really fun. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. Um, a friend of mine um, on a video game I play, he goes, why are you such a terrible human being? I was like, I spend my life conforming to being nice i need an outlet this is it <laughs> exactly i understand exactly. i was going to ask yeah the, the the gaming medium um it's a uh, i mean how do you what are your views on it in terms of the maturity of the medium comparative to you know maybe uh film or theater do you do you still think there's a perception that the Oh, in your mind, do you have a perception that it's still a growing medium, that it still has a long way to go to mature, or that it's achieved parity with Hollywood? What are your thoughts on that side of things? That's a really interesting question. Um, I think it's, I mean, it's, it's become a massive industry. And um, in terms of content, it's definitely matured since I can remember first playing, you know, Mario Brothers and King Kong when I was a kid, you know, the, the level of complexity, not only from the beautiful artwork and design and like literally you can see the hair strands on the characters, but um, the complex and nuanced storylines that we get now, uh, it's not just appealing to one demographic, it's appealing to people of, you know, in all parts of society to help them Sometimes it's just pure pleasure and escapism. And other times it deals with really difficult issues. It can help people cope with, uh, with things in their life. It's, you know, it's, it's far reaching and can be really immersive. I mean, I love games, you know, and so everybody in my family does. 
And in terms of film, I think the writing is still coming up. There are some games where um, the writing is really, really strong and as good as what you see on TV. In fact, I think Battletoads has brilliant writing. But um, I think that I think that sometimes when the with the focus of the game is the actual gameplay, uh, yeah. sometimes the writing suffers. Um, but when that when when they start attracting basically Hollywood screenwriters or, or just, you know just brilliant writers uh, with you know who can write really compelling characters, and then then I think it probably will reach its its peak. Yeah, it's yeah that's a very important. good point. No, sorry to cut you off. Yeah, no, that's a really good point about the whole balancing the gameplay element because you have to reconcile the two. If you, you know, gameplay structures are quite more, a lot more open by their premise. So, you know, because it's interactive, that kind of takes away your ability to then maybe push a certain narrative a certain way. Uh, but there are some linear games, uh, you know, that have even surpassed a lot of Hollywood movies, movie games like The Last of Us. I don't know if you know about that. Um, I do. I haven't played it, but yeah, my husband did, and he he thought the writing was amazing, and that you know it was really what was uh, the word he used. Um, you know, it really it made you check your own morality and and um, do some soul searching. You know, that's that's brilliant that you can have that and in an interactive form. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think the the scope for a game, because of the fact that you have this ability to to immerse yourself in an interactive experience, means that then, whilst initially there's a challenge narratively in, the, in terms of narrative, what you can do through the through the medium of games is really draw people into that because you are in that universe, literally. You know, books, with books, you're reading it, you kind of, your mind is filling the blanks. With movies, you're seeing it, the music and the pacing fills your blanks. And then the games take it a little bit further because you are seeing and controlling what, you, what the narrative is. So yeah, yeah no, hopefully I'd like to see that. Um, I'd yeah, and I've, I've heard your uh, voice lines on, on the game. I just wanted to... Uh, just get your view on it because it's really important because clowns is really good on this show bringing a whole variety of people's views on the state of video games this is inevitably before he starts plugging in xbox game pass to everyone so <laughs> but it's really good to see that that everyone everyone is observing a, a growth in gaming as it's rising in popularity and maturity but it's still got a long way to go in my opinion but yeah, yeah i think so i mean yeah i think we can achieve more you know three-dimensional characters we can you know in, in terms of the same things that we're dealing with uh in tv and film you know diversity and representation and um how women are portrayed uh all that stuff yeah of course can develop but i mean it's it's a very exciting time to be in games yeah absolutely i actually have a question sure um, yeah uh, do you do you have a, a game you may have played or something like that, which you were a part of, or even a, uh, a game you were a part of that you played later and you thought you were brilliant or maybe even think, didn't realize what was actually entailed? Um, okay. So I have played, I have played, uh, I don't know if you heard of PlayStation VR worlds. You heard of that one? They had, it was basically, it was a game where they had, I think, four or five sample games to show you what the, you know, the Sony VR uh, console 
would be like and what the experience could be like. So they had five really different games to, um, to show you how immersive it could be, but all the, the variety that VR could offer you. Yeah. So I did a game called Scavenger's Odyssey and it was sort of like a truncated game. It wasn't full length. And I played the craft AI um, and I kind of, I'm the voice in your head and I walk you through the whole thing and tell you what to do. And uh, what's, what's really cool is that in the, in the booth, sometimes you get, you get clips or trailers or whatever of the game so you can see what the world looks like and, and um, imagine yourself in it. But a lot of times you don't have any of it. You literally just have an Excel spreadsheet with the lines and maybe a little bit of written direction. And then you've got a director who's kind of guiding you through telling you what the scenario is. Yeah. And so, you know, you'll be like, you'll come in uh, on a Monday morning at 10 and uh, they'll be like, okay, yeah. So you're in space and there's some asteroids coming towards you. And, but this is all par for the course. You've done this a million times, uh, <laughs> but you're slightly alarmed. You know, so they just throw it at you and you have to like imagine all of it and you never know how it's gonna, one, you don't know how that's gonna come across in the final performance. And two, you don't know what the actual thing's gonna look like. So to be able to play this game, Scavenger's Odyssey and, you know, be in it jumping on these know, space rocks and like dealing with monsters and killing them all and stuff um, to see what they were describing is always really satisfying. But I'm always super critical of my performance. I'm like, oh, I could have just done that a little bit different. I could have just, you know, uh, <laughs> it's, it's hard sometimes uh, to listen back. Sometimes I'm pleased, but I'm quite self-critical. It's, it's a bit weird though because you, you'll have the benefit of hindsight but a fuller picture when you're playing especially in vr you're literally immersed in the game world so if that's the first time you're you've experienced like crispy bomb said you know that's the first time you've experienced your work after the fact then naturally you're going to be very critical because like, oh i didn't know it's literally going to be like this my my mind was thinking something like this that's weird i a friend of mine works at audio studio he directs at ubisoft and i i noticed that it's excel spreadsheets and lines upon lines being said no gameplay shown and i just I did ask him i said well surely it would benefit the voice actors if they could see what they are doing and and that's really he said that's really the case yeah it, yeah so that's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I did a big game recently. I can't say what it is, but it's coming out this month. It's a really big game. What Probably one of the biggest games and um, that'll come out this year. And they were great because they were like, here's the world, here's the artwork, here's a trailer, this is the tone, here's some of the music. And you really start to feel where you're gonna fit into this. Um, when they tell you the rules of the world, particularly, I mean, almost, most games are, you know, some kind of fantasy. So it's, you know, this is a world in which this is, you know. With Vikings, yeah. Totally, totally. So, <laughs> so you understand like where your character fits in, you know, are you high status, are you low status, are, you know, um, you know, is this, is this a really violent world? Is this a sort of ruthless, you know, all that stuff, it all affects how you perform. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I think I saw um, a clown's eyes perk up as you said, we, there's a game we cannot talk about. And now you're <laughs> going to get 20 questions of all of us trying to narrow I, down what I, game it is. No, I won't do, I won't do that because I know like how strict, uh, 
you know, NDAs are and stuff. And I wouldn't do that to you, Kosha. But no, I know I Gaz, Gaz, is, <laughs> Gaz is thinking. He's already thinking, like, what could it be? Um, <laughs> I, I was already pushing it off to be, uh, you know, delayed till sometime middle of next year. Wink, wink. But we know we'll that's see. not it. <laughs> we know that's not it. So, um, it, it. When you when you've done this, was there anything that was a memorable character that you would like to go back to, if you if you, if you could decide your character to go back and make a game based on your character? Mm. That's a no. I didn't mean to stump you. <laughs> I'm now literally like just reeling through the games and the characters. Yeah, you know, um, in this game that's about to come out, I play several, I can't say any of their names. I can, I can play several different types of characters. And I actually really enjoyed the writing in this game. And I think mostly they are side quests, but like, you know, cool characters, interesting characters. Um, I mean, it's really it, the luxury of, because I do a lot of, uh, in games, I tend to play a lot of different roles. Sometimes I play the main character, but a lot of times I'm brought in to just do like, just tons. And you sort of dip your feet in to a little moment or a scene or a few scenes or whatever. Uh, but the fun of just going through an entire game and being able to, you know, have an arc and experience the whole world and all the different characters that that's, that is, um, that's the best really. Um, so I don't know if I could pick any one character, but I would just say it'd be fun to take some of these really cool characters that I've, I've played and then, you know, put them in their own story, like their own little spin-off story. The first thing, if I've, I've never done voice acting, I've been begging my friend to at least let me do like a scream in his game, like set me on fire or something. Um, he hasn't done that, uh, which I hate my friend for. But um, the first thing I would do, and I don't know if you've done this, is if I'd find the character in the game that I voiced and try and kill them. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done that. I haven't done that. <laughs> um, like I play a lot of, I'm obsessed with Skyrim. Do you know, do you play? Oh, Skyrim? it's yeah. a good game. Great game. Okay. Um, like there are people who will go in and just kill all the chickens and like, you know, <laughs> kill the townspeople. And I just, ca I can't do it. <laughs> There's whenever I create, I, tr I try to create lots of different characters, but I can never be the one that's just like, just killing, <laughs> killing people or even my own character. That would be so weird, but it would be funny. I think I should do that now, actually. <laughs> and then hear all the little voice notes that you've uh, you recorded and then you get a bout of PTSD as you remember oh my god I remember this line where I was yes, pretending to be that's stabbed. true because <laughs> I do a lot of like I do a lot of dying in my games and um <laughs> and sometimes it's hilarious because you're given um 10 different w dies deaths you're given 10 different deaths and they're like yeah so this one's going to be death by fire and it's going to last we need three different lengths so can you die for 20 seconds and then can you die louder for about 50 seconds <laughs> and um <laughs> and you just just because they want to have every different scenario so it would be funny to just try and kill my character to just listen rifle through all the different deaths <laughs> when you when you um let's when you pick a character to play when you're playing the games do you customize your character 
after you or do you just give it like a round effect of you know it's just a female or a male okay you know, so usually I start with myself and I enjoy trying to make the character look as much like me as possible. Uh, and then I usually add some fantasy elements. I'm really revealing too much of myself now. But like um, like in Skyrim, I definitely, the first thing I did was make a character that looked like me, but that could do amazing magic. And then if, after I played it like, I don't know, five, six different times, then I would wheel out the you know the orc or you know the argonian or whatever i would i would play something totally opposite from myself but yeah i enjoy that the sims too i like making people that look like me but like maybe a cooler version um no such thing. we do have some questions from the chat uh let's see here uh our friend and avid viewer Noof nukem asks how has voice acting changed amid the COVID pandemic? Okay. The only change for me has been I'm doing a lot from home. Um, uh, because I, I basically decided in April to invest in a whole studio setup. And luckily the company that I work with called Side UK, they do, they do a lot of voice for games and sound and whatnot. Um, they kind of, they took their actors that were willing to do it and they kind of held their hand, walked them through the whole process of setting up a home studio. So a lot of people will pay to have someone consult and I was really lucky that they were helping us out to, to keep getting work. The other thing that's changed is that usually you're in the booth with the engineer and the, and the uh, director for the game and sometimes the developers are in the room but mostly they're online. So now it's when I go into a studio other than lots of sanitizing. There's me, the engineer, and then everyone else is on Zoom now. There's almost never anyone else there. But gaming, the, the, the industry itself has just barreled on as far as I can tell. Um, and Xbot in the chat asks, is there any voice actors or actresses uh, that you've looked up to or admired? Yeah, um, okay, let me remember the name of the game. Uh, Uncharted, uh, and the, is his name Nathan? Nathan Nolan, I think it is. Oh, he yeah. Plays the main guy. He does tons of stuff. He's got such a rich, amazing voice, and um, his acting is fantastic. And he's, you know, there's such compelling characters that, that he plays. I mean, there's loads of, loads of actors and actresses that I admire. Uh, in games, but I'm afraid I, I usually know them by their character names, not their uh, actor names. I should look them up. Um, the fellow who plays the Witcher, but uh, um, um, yeah, Geralt, yeah. not not in the not Henry Cavill, but in the in the um, in the game. And there's also an actress I worked with uh, on on a game. Uh, she played Nilin in Remember Me. Oh, this is gonna drive okay it will come to me Kaziah Burroughs that's it yes so she is I believe she's Welsh and she plays uh she does a sort of British accent for this she also did the voice did she do the voice or just likeness for uh there was an alien game recently and I can't remember the title of it <laughs> this is useless anyway she's brilliant she's got a really she plays she does amazing physicality she does a lot of mocap and um, I was really taken with her performance in as Nilin in Remember Me. Um, yes, yeah, something to look up to that that kind of 
the actors that you'd want to spend however long a game takes to play, eight hours, 14, 20, whatever it is, um, to make a character that's fun to listen to, fun to play, and, you know, well-performed. No, absolutely. Uh, so I know that you've been in a lot of games. Um, we, you know, we checked your Wikipedia and IMDb. Do your friends ever like message you like, oh, my God, I just heard your voice. I just heard your voice in this game. I just heard you like you ever get messages yeah. like that. Yes. Yes. So um, particularly now that my friends sons are sort of coming into the like teenage years and playing games and they I basically was not cool. And then suddenly they hear me in a game and they're like, oh, my God, um, you were in this. I can't believe it. Uh yeah, I, my cool factor among the young has definitely gone up uh, the more games I'm in. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dripple. Uh, I was going to say, because you're talking about uh, being in the booth and acting. Uh, how how deeply do you act? Because I just watching you talk, you, you a lot of hand motion. So I'd assume it's also the same thing with your acting when you get into it, because it is voice acting. You have to create that persona and get into it. I mean, do you uh, obviously I asked about earlier about the dress and, uh, you know, do, do you with the the animations that you do, you know, as you go on, do they take any of that for the video and kind of help push it into the characters for your your motions? Yeah, so um, the first question about how how deeply do I do it? I find that I have to move when I'm, when I'm speaking the role, especially if it's a physical scene. A lot of times I'm in battles and so I have to be throwing a grenade or shooting a gun or knifing someone, whatever the action is. And um, ha I have to do the movement, otherwise it doesn't sound real in the voice and um, on that note, when I did Star Wars Battlefront 2, they actually made us, the director who did it, uh, it was a bunch of actors standing around, eight of us in front of microphones, because it was group battle scenes, and he had weights in front of us. And during our lines, we'd have to shout them and lift up the weight to try and get that heft in the voice, because it really comes through if you're doing wow. it for real. So that's one. And as far as the... Um, uh, capturing the animation or action, yes. So a lot of games these days, if they're not doing full mocap, uh, motion capture, they do facial capture. So for a lot of games, particularly one that's coming out uh, soon, they they kind of put a head, a head cam on you and they have a light and a camera that comes out in front of you and they put dots on your face and whatnot and they record your animation. So even if it's not my likeness that's gonna be in the character, they um, will capture my facial expressions, particularly the way my mouth moves when I'm speaking, because it's easier to animate if you have the actual uh, actor doing it. And then sometimes they do full motion capture, so they get likeness, they get the whole body, they get the voice. It just depends on the game. Uh, it must be really difficult doing that. I don't know if you've ha ever had those balls on your face. That sounds really weird, but you know the motion ca <laughs> motion capture balls all over you, um, and then you're like in green spandex, and then you're supposed to play a very serious role. Do you, does that? I always found that weird. Like, how do you get in the mode for that? 
yeah. uh, presumably a lot of drugs, but uh, <laughs> oh, guess. Yeah. Um, there's always a moment when you get into those suits and all the actors sort of come out with everything on display. It's not flattering for anyone. Um, and we just laugh at each other. And then, um, but it's basically like just wearing a costume for the first time. You sort of notice it and then it goes away. You immerse yourself in the scene. You try to be grown up and, you know, just, just get into it and forget the rest of it. It's, you know, it's, it's like doing film acting, you know, you've got a camera in your face and you got lights everywhere and you've, you know, um, the actor, you, you can see all the stuff that the camera can't see. So you just have to kind of block it out, stay in the moment, try and get emotionally engaged. Uh, Noof asks in the chat, how do you feel about female characters taking on more prominent and power and empowering roles in games? Well, I think it's great and I'm all for it. Um, I mean, what's, what's fun, what's, what's, what I like to see are characters that aren't just badass and sexy, but also just badass and smart, or, you know, they're not, I like to see women that are in power that are all different sorts of ways, you know, the way actual people are, you know, um, in the same way for men, you know, you see a lot of action heroes who are, you know, muscled, good looking guys. And it's, it's, to me, sometimes more interesting to have more variation, more, more diversity, you know, um, so powerful, yes, but also I like it when we're flawed, not a perfect hero, you know, the sort of kind of Batman-y type character, someone who is struggling, they're trying to do the right thing, but they also have to do some bad stuff. And, um, you know, it's, it's more interesting to play and it's more like life. But I wanted to be like The Rock, you know, Dwayne Johnson. I mean, yes, <laughs> I think everybody dreams that. like that. Everybody right? dreams of that. <laughs> yes, I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm the weird one. I wanted to be Gary Busey. <laughs> that's a that's a rough role to play. Um, <laughs> so in Battletoads, you've actually played several characters, um, but uh, one of our one of the guys who does a lot of art for people on podcasts, his name is Graphic God, or known as Jay. Uh, he's a big fan of Julie Saturnins, if I said that correctly. I have a hard time saying the last name. But he's a huge yes. fan of that character. How did, did you have fun playing that character? Was that like a really fun role? Oh, my God. I loved it. I mean, <clears throat> uh, I walked into that audition and I thought this is some of the funniest writing I've done in a game. Because I don't know why, but there aren't that many hilarious games out there. Like some That's are, true. a lot of yeah. the Lego games are really funny. Um, really, really well written by top comic writers. And this too, I thought this was hilarious. And, um, you know, AJ was awesome with his direction and his sensibility for all of the characters and the world of the, of the game. And the director, Matthew, well, at least the director in the audition, Matthew Delamere, uh, He's a sort of comic genius and he helped as well. Yeah, it was hugely fun to play. It yeah, I, I, I'm sorry for cutting you off, Gaz. Um, I was going to do your job for you and say shout out to the 230 people watching live. Hit that like button. <laughs> oh, okay. I was going to say, though, um, you know, I've, I've met AJ. We've talked to AJ and he's a fantastic guy. So he's full of so much positive energy and he just loves... Uh, the creative arts and what he does, and uh, he's amazing. And I'm glad you actually got to work with him. Um, that must have been a lot of fun. Uh, 
when you're in your like at home in your booth, does your husband critique you and be like, "No, do it this way" or "Do it this way"? Just do you ever get like feedback from him? Um, <clears throat> uh, no, not on the whole. I push him away. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> no, usually it's on my own. Although uh, over lockdown, I actually recorded him to get used to using my equipment and the software and stuff. I recorded. Uh, 10 minute episodes of a one man show that he did. And it was me who was doing the critiquing. <laughs> so, uh, he took it well. <laughs> so he might be in the next, I don't know, last of us part three, you know, he might get a role somewhere along the line. Yeah. Yeah. I might just um, yeah, talk to a few people. That would be pretty what cool. Is, what is your dream role as far as gaming is concerned? Like you have, is there a game you saw and you thought, damn, I, you know, I'd love to have done that role. There must be one that bounces at you, like, oh, well, shit, I should have done that. Well, actually, one that just came to mind, as you were saying that, was um, was Yennefer. Yeah, that's a great role. Oh, yeah. That's interesting in, in uh, The Witcher. Um, just trying to think. I mean, I always like, a, I love to play really smart, witty people who put them, put people in their place, but also... Um, like, I don't know, sort of like if you could do the Miranda Priestley from Devil Wears Prada, Meryl Streep character, uh, as a character in a game who maybe was an elf. Who <laughs> was an elf. <laughs> like, <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> yeah. That might be possible, the next Elder Scrolls that comes out. Maybe you could get that role. Yeah, I mean, I love those sort of people who are like, dry and like have all the power like loads of gravitas and like you know dry wit and you know that and but what i would really like more than just a role itself is to actually be in the room with another actor recording because most of the time it's i'm on my own and maybe they play in the recording of the other actor um but was well, this the case but even pre-lockdown this this was the case yeah yeah um because I think just for efficiency's sake, because sometimes your scenes are with lots of different people and they can't get in 20 actors in a booth on a day. So they record everybody separately. And then when you get to a scene where they have already recorded the other actor, they play them in and then you act with just their voice, which is helpful, but way better when you can just have them there in the room. That's interesting you say that. That might lend itself to why, sorry, um, why the dialogue and I find in games is sometimes a bit unnatural. Like totally, totally, yeah. because it's difficult if you don't if you don't know how the final scene is going to come together from a performance point of view, and also from a setting point of view, because sometimes the developers will say, oh, it's going to be on a street and there's battle everywhere, and you know, so the level of the performance should be on a scale of one to ten. Uh, eight, and then it turns out that actually it should have been a level four. It 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 can seem really unnatural or forced or you yeah, know, definitely it's difficult to to find synergy with all those different elements. So uh, do they ever go back and let's say you know the other person did their voice acting, you followed up with with, with their script. And then they they looked at it and said, you know what, uh, we need them to go back and follow up with your script to to match that intensity level. Do they ever do something like that, or yeah, vice versa? Yeah. <clears throat> Definitely, they do pickups at the end of the game. Once they've got most of the lines in, 
they will <clears throat> put the lines into the game and play it through and see how it's coming across. And then they'll literally just come up with a list of things that need to be redone in as, as exactly as you say it. Okay. Uh, Flymish in the chat has a question for you. He's a, he's a panel member on another show we do. Um, I don't know if, if you really have a thought on this, but he asks, what did you think of Abby and how the character was portrayed? I think in last of us Two. I'm afraid I didn't, I haven't played it. So I don't know. And what would your favorite female character be in a game that you've ever played? Favorite female character. I really enjoyed playing Claire in Crisis 3 because it was all mocap. So uh, I got to be in the room with all the other actors. And that was, it's always, as I said before, it's always better. And she was an interesting character. She was someone who was thrust into a difficult situation, a military situation when she had a scientific background and she kind of, she had to step up and be part of this resistance movement um, and find inner resources that she didn't know she had uh, and, and, you know, deal with some tough, tough questions. Um, do you play games with like your, um, with your children or your husband at home? And yes. if so, uh, what are some of your favorite games that you play with them? Okay. So uh, we love Skyrim. And when the kids were younger, we would just create characters that they wanted and go where they wanted us to go and and uh, and fight the way they wanted to. But now they're old enough to play and then we just talk about it the whole time. Uh, we also play a lot of racing games. Um, oh, I'm so useless with names. What is it called? It'll come to me. A lot of racing games. Play The Sims. The kids have started to play Horizon Zero Dawn, which I did some roles in. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. They um, they play, let's see, they play a lot of Nintendo. So they're doing Mario Kart. They're doing um, fighting games, a lot of fighting games. Um, God, I forget all the names of the games now. <laughs> uh, what else do we play together? Oh, my husband plays different games with them that I'm not interested in, like army games. <laughs> the okay. ones that aren't violent. Yeah. Oh, with my husband, we've played some games where there's a game where it's uh it's not acted at all. It's like uh you have to you have to disarm a bomb. And so one person's on the screen sort of solving puzzles and the other person has to read things and you have to kind of work as a partner. Oh, yeah. I've got that VR game. It's a virtual reality game. I think it is. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, it's really fun. Really good game. I've actually bought it, but never gone around to playing it. It's because I haven't found a friend to play that with me. Oh. <laughs> Sad yeah. story. Someone cry for me, please. That's a good one. The other one, could I say, the one of my favorite moments in a game was... Uh, PlayStation VR Worlds, and it's the shark dive. Oh my God! If you haven't played it, you gotta yeah, play. It. I haven't played that. And if you so, what you do is you, it's you literally go on a dive under the water. You're in a shark cage, and uh, you know that it's coming. You know that the shark is coming, uh, but you don't know when. And you can see all around you. And I know it's a game, and I have never been so scared. What you should do is play it yourself, but then also video 
the person playing for when <laughs> when the shark actually comes up because you just see people just <laughs> actually flit that's brilliant yeah, yeah no it's, it's so immersive it's i would i would love there'd be more games like that that were sort of long form that you really felt a part of but di that didn't give you motion sickness yeah i think, I think uh, virtual reality is very well it's at, at its infancy uh we're getting there and i think that's the zen of immersion that when uh you know the headsets don't make the the fidelity is there and you stop maybe feeling things. I know there has to be a limit there. You don't want to actually feel like you got stabbed. Uh, but, um, or, or yeah, when you don't feel sick, but uh, you know, that's the Zen of game, that ready player one type level of stuff. Mm -hmm. One thing I was coming, as you were talking to me about the, the challenges of voice recording and one of the limitations being you're not in a room surrounded by other voice actors. I think it's kind of silly or well, maybe not silly, or, but I think it's, a, it's, it's strange that in the gaming sphere, we haven't utilized virtual reality more because essentially as voice actors, you can strap up, strap these headsets in from home. And there you are with the other actors in a virtual environment there. You can, that's the closest you'll get to see other voice actors do it at the same time. Logistically, you said it was really hard to have all these actors in one room, but you could virtually that would be really cool yes yeah anyone who's listening to this i copyright that idea do not <laughs> i've said it before you can't claim it sorry Damn it, Fred. <laughs> um now would you would you rather have a constant tv series a film or voiceover for if, if you were able to just from here on out if you had to pick one which which version would it be? And I know it's hard because I know it's 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 great to have that that flexibility to be able to, to to you know go wherever you want and and you know when the parts are perfect for you. But yes. if you can only pick one. Okay, with the voiceover, what would that be? What kind of voiceover would it be? Um, okay, well let's let's uh, close it. Uh, well, see, and that's that's the other part portion of it because you know it could it could be a voiceover on a cartoon series or voiceover on a uh, video games or at least within the video game industry, but that we'd have to separate those two because okay. just like, I think I'm going to go first instinct, first instinct TV series, because you get to create a community. It's been a goal of mine for a long, long time. I love the idea of being part of a company that you get to be with, you know, every day and, you get to go on a journey with those characters and those other actors and directors and everybody else. Um, I would love to do that. Yeah. If I had so, to choose. So I'm going to, I'm going to, cause then I'm going to break it down then. Cause I was going to split it up into four as opposed to three. Cause TV series could be both like, like we said, voiceover and live action. So from, from your answers, I'm going to say that's live action then. I think live action because there's something the kid in me every time I step onto a set is still like, um, yeah. Yeah, and I understand that part of it because I used to do theater, and that was that was always uh, for me that was the coolest thing was to be able to interact, and because it was theater, you were able to after the show interact with the crowd because they would come over and oh you know this was cool and and you know we're, we're talking with with everybody and it was really cool to see that and i'm sure with the live series you guys did the same thing with the live studio audience 
Yeah, yeah. If you have a studio audience, I mean, more and more shows are now done without it, but you still get the, the live interaction, at least when you do a scene, you get still get reaction afterwards, even if it's silent during the moment. You get it in rehearsal, you get it um, when you watch playback, and you, unlike voiceover, as I I said, you, you get to act with other people, you know, and you get to feed off of other people's energies and create something you didn't expect yeah. when you walked on set. Okay. Yeah. It's a family. It turns into a family like that. It's yeah. awesome. Which voice actor do you hate the most? Oh, that's, <laughs> that's an awkward question. I can't think of a voice actor I hate. The only thing I can think of is a voice quality, which I hate, which is, I don't know, just a shrill, high-pitched, awful Fran voice. Drescher. <laughs> like Fran Drescher? That would, uh, she's fun to imitate, but um, it wouldn't I mean, be I, a choice to listen to for an hour, say. <laughs> I love her, so don't get me wrong. I love her, but I know what everybody's saying when they're like, oh my God, her voice. I don't know. Sometimes I mean, you know, there's, What's fun, what's great about the human voice is that there are so many different ones and that actually with your eyes closed, even if people sound similar, you can tell who's who. Like we, we have an amazing ability to, um, to differentiate voice. And so all the different, the whole spectrum of voices are what make it interesting. If everybody sounded like a you know, deep male um, movie announcer, it would be boring. So it's nice to have the variety. Midway. <laughs> Oh, I'm I'm sorry, Kosha, for cutting you off there. Uh, Midway rephrased Gaz's question and said, "What are your pet peeves in voice acting? I guess maybe voices that you would have to ask." Real like, voices she mentioned, yeah. Yeah. You mean that I would have to do, or in the in the job itself? Or I guess like if you were like playing a game, playing a video game, and this is you know just in general. What are some of the voices that might make you say, oh, like you might want to move your headset for a moment, kind of. That sounded, that sounded more of an aroused sound. You should not do voice acting, clowns. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I think when, whenever it sounds really stilted and just wooden, um, if it's just bad acting, I, I find that, you know, frustrating. To, to play because there's so many good actors out there. Um, what else? Really bad accents. <laughs> I'm oh, probably God. guilty of a few myself, but uh, hearing them, I'm always like, oh, it's really bad. I, well, I watched uh, Rounders with John Malkovich. He's an incredible actor, but that Russian accent that he put on there, I said Russian in inverted commas, was the most terrible thing I've ever seen. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really hard to do an accent well. And I know a lot of times I've been in a, a session where I go in thinking I'm going to do American, maybe a bit of British, bit of New York, whatever. And then they just out of left field say, um, can you do Nigerian or can you, I mean, I I'm can do a Nigerian. random place, you know, um, can you, can you do uh, Estonian or something? And, <laughs> and then I try it and it's the worst thing ever. And, uh, and they're like, oh, it doesn't matter. It's just a small scene. I'm like, yeah, but I really, I'm going to be offensive. <laughs> just, I don't want to do it. <laughs> Kasha, Kasha, if I do a good Nigerian accent, can you put a good word in for me? Well, I realize <laughs> that's probably not the right thing to say at this moment in time. <laughs> but there we are. <laughs> do, do your children uh, rate your voices when, you, when, when they're playing the games? 
So they're hilariously honest, particularly my six-year-old. He'll listen to something and he'll go, mommy, it's, um, it's a bit bad, um, <laughs> but it's mostly good. <laughs> I like what you did here, but I don't like what you did here. Uh, so, what, wait, your kids have a British accent? Yes, yes, because my husband is British and my kids oh. are half and half, but they're raised here. So they have these weird English accents. I can't even imitate them well enough. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, you know what? That was, that, that, was, that was throwing me off as you were speaking, because you said something and, and um, you said loads and uh, Americans don't say loads. And I was thinking, wait, what? Wait, where's she from? <laughs> Yes, uh, yes, I've lived here a long time, so I've basically picked up loads, loads <laughs> of stuff. Um, you know, it's gotten to the point where sometimes I'll read an American script that's got a turn of phrase that I haven't used for a while, and it'll suddenly seem foreign. And that is a weird thing about living not in your home country uh, yeah. for 15 years. 15 wow. years? Wow, wow. Yeah. Yeah, if AJ is watching this, does AJ decide who gets a job? AJ, let's add to me. If I do a Nigerian accent, will you hire me, please? <laughs> I, I learned this from my best friend who's in Nigeria. And he, oh, hates, okay, okay. he hates me for it. <laughs> Shout out to Christian from Abuja. Well, I, I got some I got some pretty bad accents. I mean, I when I try to do British, I sound Australian. But Australians <laughs> tell me I sound British. And British people tell me I don't sound like them. I, I go, bloody right. You know, oh, they're like, okay, I was that's terrible. Say, Let's, have anyway. <laughs> Let's have um, Dreadpool. Can we hear? Can we hear one of your accents? Yes, please. I have a very bad Scottish accent. Okay. Yes. All right. So, uh, let's see. Uh, do you have a? Do you have some water? That's actually some... really good. That's actually not bad. That's actually yeah, that's good. pretty good. I had a friend that came over from there. She actually was a scientist, or at least studying at USF. And she found a cure for uh, the coronavirus. Sorry. No, 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 no. She found an anomaly in one of the cancer treatments or cells, whatever. So they named this this thing. I forgot what it was. It was so many years ago. And so I would sit there and try to mimic her. And I would tell her jokes, you know, like, you know, just bad jokes. But, you know, and, and I would try to do that. And, and she... It, she literally had um, her family come over and it was uh, Thanksgiving week. So we invited her to Thanksgiving and her family. And she had me tell one of the bad jokes to her mother. And I had, and I was starting to speak in my Scottish language and she's like, yeah, no. And then I'm telling her the joke and she, and I'm scooting away and she's like trying to think of it. She's like thinking it was a fashion joke. And I was like, and then she found out how dirty the joke was when, oh. when it popped in her head. But that was, you know, that's that's how I learned a little bit of that accent. I mean, I could that always is the do... best way for sure. Listen to people from the place. Yes, and that's, I can. And that's... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Drew Poole. I was going to say, and that's that's what I do when, when I go around because uh, I'll have like a hillbilly accent. I'll, I'll do like the New York accent, but I'm around people to, to pick it up and listen. And when I go to. Uh, Europe I try to listen to their accents and I try to do that on purpose not to make fun of them it's just to learn and and blend in better definitely definitely it's the best way to learn did you see that film called in a world uh written and starring written by and starring Lake Bell in a it's world. all about 
it's a great film. It's an indie film about her as a voice artist. And one of the things she does is carry around a little um, recorder with her, just literally recording everybody's voice because she can do all these amazing accents and stuff. And it's true, if you're interested in accents, that's the best way to learn for sure. I had a interested in voiceover. And I, I think I think everybody that loves video games likes voiceover dread. I think we're all into it, except Crispy because yeah, he hasn't really. I don't know what Crispy's doing over there. He's gotten really silent. Oh, um, come on now! Hey, I'm so glad he called out questions. <laughs> Crispy, where's your accent? Please do it for us. Uh, I don't have any like foreign. Give accents. us Give us your Kapok Connecticut accent. the car, you know, like in you know, Boston and. Uh, I reckon y'all, yeah. Uh, that's, <laughs> nice. You know, like, Howdy, y'all. But like that's that? the like, living in America. It's like it's like you have so many accents just in in our country alone that it's like you can you can pick up a lot of different things. Like I used to be able to say, maybe it's because I, I played a game or something that had like an Irish accent. I used to be good at that. Now I just I can't get it in my head right now. So oh, oh. yes, yeah. That's one. That? That's one accent I can't do is Irish. My wife keeps I can do making a fun of me. Bit. She's like, try to do Irish. And I'm like, and I do something. And it's always Scottish, you know, that always pop out. And then she's like, that's not Irish. <laughs> what, and I'm listening. What, what Dreadpool, Crispy, and Gaz don't realize is that one day when they go to apply to become a voiceover actor, this is going to be there on their audition tapes. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be I, I'd be I'd be more or less like the world premiere. You know what I mean? Like oh, that wow. Do that wow. again. Say that again. World premiere. Wow. <laughs> See, I, I was trying to work that one. Yeah, I was trying to work that. I was trying to work bass in your larynx than there is in my speakers right That's now. That's amazing. I wish I could make that sound. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that. That's awesome. Yeah. I was Money trying to, to hire you for some trailers, actually. <laughs> I was trying to do the uh, In a World with Lake Bell. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, that's it. There you <laughs> go. In a world uh, where fire burns. <laughs> Sounds I, like a I, documentary. Because I, I have the most feminine voice of a man you've ever met. In fact, the, my, the, the top comment in one of my videos was, your voice is the definition of unisex. <laughs> oh. So I guess that leaves you open to a lot of roles to play. Uh, me? <laughs> yes, maybe. I am. Uh, I can do a. You know what's that pikey accent in in Snatch? What do I do with a caravan has gone to fucking wheels? Who's that? Well, Who's that? Close. What's a Snatch? Tell me someone here has watched Snatch. Nope, I have I, not. Nope. I've not. I've lost faith in humanity. I'm sorry. Kosher, I can see you shaking your head. That is horrible. Watch <laughs> Snatch and then thank me. It's amazing. It's amazing. You'll love it. I, I can do what? Kermit the Frog sometimes. Oh, go on. Go on. I am Kermit the Frog. Oh, boy. <laughs> what? That's really That's good. Amazing. That's really good. Thank you. That's sick. That's and nice. then I I used to be able to do like a broken English, like Italian American Brooklyn English accent because my dad was from Italy and he grew up in Brooklyn, so he had the accent. Um, but then I kind of like lost it over the years. But I I he used to be able to do it like, hey, forget about it. What are you doing over there? Like that. Nice, nice, yes. None yeah, of us are getting jobs, by the no, way. We're, no, we've all None failed already. We failed the edition. <laughs> we're stuck um, here. So, Kosha, in Star Wars: Knights of the Old Republic, who did you who did you voice? So the main character I voiced was called Darth Nurin, not 
that sounds weird. N U R N U R I N. That was my main character. She's obviously a Sith, and I played a bunch of other characters, but that was an early game and I hadn't gotten into the habit of writing down all the characters I played. And when I look at, look for it on YouTube, I can't find them. So I can't remember. <laughs> That's okay. It was a while ago. A yeah. While ago. I mean, you've, you've played a lot of characters over the years um, based on your credits that we've looked at. And I was amazed to see like how many things you were actually involved in. And I was thinking to myself, Potion has to like video games to do this many roles because we've interviewed some people that have done voiceovers or have written stuff and we asked them about video games and they know like nothing about video games one one person was like oh you guys you guys play video games is that what you guys do (laughs) (laughs) we were talking about movies at the time we're we're asking about movies and characters oh so you guys really like video games don't you <laughs> so I don't I don't think it's a sign that Kosha likes video games. She might just be getting paid very well. Well, there are definitely <laughs> a lot of actors who do voiceover for games and don't play at all. Uh there are a lot of them and they do it really well. So I don't think you have to be a you know enjoy gaming to 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 voice it well, but I definitely do like games. I mean I'm I wouldn't say I'm sort of hardcore, but I definitely when I come across a game I love, I become obsessed and will, you know, pull all nighters and just that's all I can think about. Um but it, it Do you um, think that helps? Do it helps your job? Yeah, I definitely do because because when they go when they go, um yeah, so you know the player character goes up to a bar and they need a quest and like I know what that's about because I do, you know, I've done it. So I know I know what that they don't it's like there's a shorthand yeah yeah, yeah. and I, also you know the mechanics of that exactly so like also i did a game called the crew 2 and i've played a few racing oh, games yeah. i mean they're pretty straightforward but uh in this one i was i, I played someone called alexis and she basically you could choose to do one of four types of racing and if you chose my one she would kind of she'd be your coach basically and so I understood uh, the dialogue that was before race and the one that's after race and the, the points of the writing is to tell the, to get the player to do X or whatever. And so I know when you're, you know, when you're playing a game and or let's say if you're doing a um, so first person shooter and you're trying to find something and you've got X, you've got characters going, basically going, you're looking in the wrong place, look in this place, that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm fa- it makes it faster for me to understand the point of the line. Uh, oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I play. I, I because if to someone who doesn't do, know that, doesn't play that, that'd be weird, actually. Like, well, I mean, doing that's the what, guiding that's, voice. That is what the director's there for, is to say you're guiding the player to do, you know, so someone's always there to, to help the actors, even if they don't, aren't familiar with the scenario. But as I say, because I play, it does make it a little easier. I need you to go over there and grab my leg and bring it back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so also, I was looking, when I looked through your credits, you also did something to uh, Forza Horizon 3. Um, yes. I think it was, I and I might be saying this wrong, but Radio Ident, was that? That's right, yeah. Um, so I haven't been able to find samples of this, but basically, when you would listen to, one of the features of that game was that you could listen to music within the game like actual you know 
pop music, um, but all different types of genres. And so they had different radio channels. And so I was one of the people that would basically be a DJ, sort of doing connecting idents for the channel, for the music, for the game itself, sort of in between the songs, if you see what I mean. That is so cool. That means I've heard you so much without knowing it. Cause I played yeah, I think I was on two different game. channels, but I can't remember which, which ones now. Uh, yeah, so I will have been in that, yeah. I, I think one that of the- That is so surreal to me. I think one of the things you said in that game, and I might be wrong, but if memory recalls correctly for me, I think it was like, you are listening to Radio Ident was one of the things you said. Yeah, I think so. I think I would say you're listening to something like, you know, you're listening to Modern Beats with blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. You know, and, Kusha, you sound just like Cortana as well, as you said that. Um, yeah. That's a role that's very, I mean, I'm quite surprised that you are not playing that. that I was just looking to, wait, wait, has she voiced Cortana? Because, uh, yeah, you sound remarkably like her. I guess that was one of the roles you would love to play as well, because that's a very strong female role but flawed because she's actually an AI who's flawed and she's going through something called rampancy. Um, and she's evil, maybe. There's, there's layers to that. That'd be really good. Oh, Microsoft, I if you're listening to that. Oh, go. Kosher. Yeah. Kosher is available. available. Um, uh, there's a game that's about to come out. I'm allowed to say, I think. It's called The Ascent. Have you heard of this? Yes. Yes. The Ascent. And I play in it a character called The Imp, which is short for something, but it's basically an AI. And what's cool about this character is that it goes from being just mechanical robotic to actually becoming to becoming upgraded and having its own sort of consciousness and has a um, fascination with death and killing and that humans are made from, you know, squishy, biological <laughs> stuff, right? Um, and so it's really fun because you get, I got to do the, the um the change from being you know robot to being this thinking feeling machine who thought death was fascinating uh so it was a bit crazy it was that was That's a good cool yeah what was the transition like without giving away too much of any plot points was there a transition period or were you this once like cold robot then you sentient realized that humans are a waste of space. <laughs> so I think all I, because I, I haven't played the game yet. I don't think it's out yet, but it's not out till 2021. Oh, yeah. So um, not out. So basically, the you're the, losing your job now. I know. <laughs> fine, the direct the director would say <laughs> to me, uh, so this is pre whatever it was. Let's say it was called upgrade pre upgrade. So then I would know that all of those lines are literally just say the lines as a robot, and then uh, and then post upgrade would be much more fluent and um and and more you know just just conversational and sometimes Human. would become a bit more knowing or emotional or manipulative that kind of stuff i always find that weird that ai in fan fiction when it starts to become starts to realize how much it hates humanity the way it expresses it is it does so in very human ways. Uh, I guess it's to, for the audience to understand the rage or the anger and the sentiment. But I just found that weird. I thought you should carry on the cold, like kind of calculated look. But I guess it doesn't make you, I don't know. I think you can enhance, uh, you know, the threatening nature of AI 
by retaining that kind of cold level. But for some reason, directors always tend to opt for angry human, angry screaming robot human. It's, it's a weird thing. But I really, now that you've mentioned that, I can't wait to play The Ascent and play The Imp and see, or oh, witness yeah. the Imp's transition into. Yeah, I'm yeah, excited yeah, now pretty, too. I'm, I'm like more really excited than I was. Yeah, yeah. It looks like a great um, game. Yeah, she keeps calling the, um, the human flesh. She, she says um, things like, you know, so flesh, what what should we do? Whatever, you know, she, she, she talks, says sort of outrageous things, but it's totally normal for her. Uh, and the way she witnesses death is, you know, um, oh, so much blood. It's so interesting, you know, she, she's sort of, as I say, kind of a morbid fascination with, with um, the breakableness of humans. That's really awesome. <laughs> is, so, is it part of cool? I'm sorry, go ahead, clowns. Oh, um, this might be a little bit off topic from what we were last talking about, but I know that everybody in your house, you know, plays video games and they enjoy them. Um, are you guys excited for next generation, like the Xbox Series X and the PlayStation Five? Oh yeah, we'll be getting, we'll be getting definitely PlayStation Five. The boys are trying to get. We already have two consoles. We have a Nintendo and a PlayStation. So you know, we got to, um, we can't, we can't, we can't, we got to focus. <laughs> So, yes <laughs> yes we'll be doing it we'll be doing you did it. mention you had uh you had little children right one of them was six yes yeah, six and nine okay so we got a perfect console for them the amico have you ever heard of that no what's that what's that that is the new television that that uh tommy tellerico is pushing out right. and it's it's uh all digital it's you got the little controllers and everything, and you can play it as a, as a grandparent versus a 20-year-old versus a four-year-old, and everybody still has a chance at winning or playing together. Oh, so you, cool. it's coming out next out. year. Yeah, you should look it up, definitely. Now, now the real question is, is it part of your contract? And if, it, if it's not, you should make it part of your contract. <laughs> when you do a voiceover for one of the games, do you get, the, do you get a copy of the game? You would think, <laughs> but <laughs> I think I've, the number of times I've gotten a game, I can count on my hand, I think. Uh, very few, it's, it's a, this is where, so this is where the industry needs to get together. So at the moment there's a Screen Actors Guild, there's a television, you know, for television and for stage, but there is no particular guild for this realm of work. And so it is not standardized as it should be. And that's something that certainly a group of us actors in London have been trying to uh, work toward with equity is to try and not just get in games, but, but just the rates and the hours and the, the whole way that actors are used and paid and, and compensated. Because as I, th I can't remember which one of you said, but how big the industry is that actors should be, um, you know, uh, commensurately compensated. I, I agree. Cause I think, you know, uh, just from doing the news this week in the video game industry, um, next generation, they want to raise the prices. This like $70 a game on a lot of them, but Activision blizzard in three months made $1.2 billion in microtransactions. That's just right. a microtransaction. So that's not, not even for the, the games. This, not even the sale of the game. That's just, 
And you know, a transaction when you're talking billions, isn't it? Sounds weird. <laughs> well, it is. It's that's what it was. Human and I just and I just feel bad because I think you know, in the game industry, there's a lot of smaller studios that you know can't compete with that. Then there's voice actors that probably don't get paid you know enough for what they do. And there's developers that work for those companies that I feel you know should get a pay raise because this company's pulling so much money and it just. I don't know. It's just the way that corporate America has become over here. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's unfortunately it's the nature, I guess, of the business. And I do hope that you guys are able to form some type of group reunion. I know that uh, somebody told me, at least in America, there's something called SAG-AFTRA. I'm not sure yes. if you ever heard of it. And I guess yes, it's... I okay. So it's not the same thing as what is that? like a Screen Actors it's, Guild then? It is the Screen Actors Guild. Screen Actors Guild and American Federation of TV and Radio Actors, I think it is. Um, okay. Yeah, so they say so there are, you know, um they they have a lot of power in America. Uh but over here in the UK not so much. But still, I mean I think I haven't worked in LA as a voice actor in games, so I I can't speak from that, but I do think even over there um, there are more standards, industry standards um, that are in place that we're still working to get over here. So for instance, one of the things we do a lot of in games, I call it vocal stunt work, which is a lot of screaming, a lot of vocally demanding stuff. I mean, you're in like the Star Wars thing I told you about. Um, there's a lot of battle games where you're literally at a 10 with the screaming and everything else. It does take some skill to do that safely. But if you're doing that for several hours in a row you're gonna fry your voice and yeah. there should be you know for instance um standards for how long an actor is able to you know allowed to do that kind of work um if they're paid extra for that kind of work and um you know if if it means that they then can't do their commercial that they're contracted to do because they've blown it on the game you know th those are all things to take into consideration uh, That's crazy then. Are you saying then that there's no, so you don't get any compensation for your degrading voice because you've done it over a period of time? No. That's your I livelihood. Mean, it, exactly. Exactly. It's something I feel pretty strongly about because there's been so, I've, there's been so many games that I've done where there's one game, it was a motorcycle game and I had to scream, I think something for something like four continuous hours. Obviously it was variations of that, but um, I, had vo vo voice problems for the next couple of days Ooh. and I was you know I was supporting with my diaphragm and everything else I mean I, but but it you just will hurt your voice those sorts of things you know like if you're on a on a a, a film set and you're in a SAG film you've got a SAG contract there are people looking out for you all the time you know with those sorts of things you, know, you have to take a break it's a certain amount if you do stunt work you've got to have some you know there are rules in place to protect um to protect everybody but um, not here, not here in the UK. That that's pretty wow. bad. Not yet. I, I guess it's a good thing that you get the freedom to do things. Uh, you don't have someone like you know have to deal with the bureaucracy of it. Hey, hey, you can't do this. But you know, I guess I guess maybe that's a problem in in the US. But then that's a crazy thing for me because in any vocation, if you're doing something excessively that can have an impact on your long term ability to do that job, then uh, that's weird that it's not governed or there's no regulation there exactly exactly i mean i think uh i think at the moment it's actors and agents and sometimes companies like side and om uk 
who are advocates for actors who are trying to, you know, we have to sort of speak up and unite <laughs> um, to, to protect each other in those circumstances at, until we have something in place. Is, is, I, that, is that community quite, sorry, sorry. Uh, I was gonna, I'll just quickly, very quickly ask, do you feel that the voice acting community, maybe in, particularly in, in England, is that quite unified or do, do you have a really cool kind of un, unity there or is it all quite scattered or? I would say that um, I mostly come into contact with North Americans over here uh, because, because most of the actors I do games with are, yeah, as I say, North American. Uh, because a lot of the a lot of games made in London are for the American market or are written for American characters. Uh, so that community I I know well, and we see each other again and again at the same jobs. But the wider community, voiceover community, I wouldn't say I have much contact with because it is often just you and the engineer in a booth. It doesn't tend to be a group exercise unless you're on a maybe a, an animation series, then it's different. Mm, that's this is where my VR idea comes in again. Guys, I need to be a millionaire. What am I yes. doing? Please do. That would be so fun. So the industry has, you know, one of those bad phrases uh, slash bad words when it comes to gaming, and that's crunch. Uh, obviously, you guys, when you're doing your your acting, it's a little. It's usually before all the crunch happens with the video game side. But you feel that effect also because you are talking about you know pushing for hours. Do they? Does it feel like you're in that crunch too? That they're trying to get your voices recorded right away to shift it over to the rest of the departments. Uh, it depends on the game and how well organized they are. On um, a big game that I did recently. Um, it seemed like they were doing so many re-records and um, cyberpunk. Yes, that's the one. No, um, I don't. Think I, did, I didn't it. say anything. I didn't say anything. That's um, not it. But <laughs> <clears throat> lips are sealed. But generally, um, <clears throat> what happens is on the big games, like so for D the division, that was another really big open world game, and they just have probably tens of thousands of lines of dialogue. And they have expansions and everything else. And I don't, I don't know from a developer's perspective, but you know, they had a deadline and then suddenly things aren't going well and they have to finish by another deadline and they've got to get all these lines recorded. So sometimes, yes, you definitely feel the crunch and you definitely feel like what used to be a fun session for three hours or whatever, where you get to explore a little bit and you know, you you finish comfortably in three hours, then when they get the developers on the line with you, it, you very much feel like, you know, gotta get it, gotta push it out, gotta get it done, because everybody's against the clock. Um, but I wouldn't say that that's the norm. That's at a certain stage in a big games development that happens. Okay, so as a follow-up, because a lot of people like to speak for the creators, the developers, the actors, anybody that they have nothing to do with, but they want to speak up for them because crunch is so bad. You know, in real life, it happens. Sometimes you have mandatory overtime, but when you have it, you get compensated for it, correct? To, to oh, yeah. Yeah, you get time. compensated for every hour or extra hour that, that you work, yeah. That's brilliant. See, I don't understand. So I don't know if you know this, Kosha, you probably do. You must be aware of some of the sentiment in, in, in social media as far as the gaming industry is concerned. There's been there have been a couple of studios who 
who have been at the firing line about this whole crunch business. They, you know, the staff are working overtime, and there's and I think there's an echo chamber where everyone is kind of unjustifiably making this out to be like this bad, evil thing that's happening in the gaming industry. Where, but in in other industries, it happens all the time. Crunch is part and parcel of what you do, and you don't get compensation for a lot of uh, different fields. So it's interesting that you say that. Um, I just think, and I've seen this, observed this from content creators uh, or people in the in the field, that they're okay with it as long as you're, you're obviously adequately compensated. It is a problem. It sucks when it happens. But is, what are your views on that? That, okay, sometimes, is, do you believe that sometimes it's just an, I've kind of actually led you here by giving you my opinion on this. So <laughs> unfair. But do you think it's an unfortunate reality? It's just you have something you have to deal with, or maybe companies should be better regulating that, making sure that doesn't happen. What are your views on crunch or croak, as it is in your in your case? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I mean, I can mostly speak from the actress' point of view, which is our pay structure is we get an hourly fee and then there's a buyout, and that's basically it for us. From the developer's perspective, which I haven't firsthand experienced, but have spoken to developers about it, um, you know, you know, generally people shouldn't be exploited and and um, be asked to work above and beyond what they're being compensated for. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like you're not going to get a very good work environment if you don't treat people well. You know, it, yeah. it, and and that knowing that you're going to have a period right before release where it's going to go crazy, those infrastructure should be in place to allow for the compensation that's needed when it when it comes exactly yeah i think i mean that's easy to say from the outside i'm sure there are unique challenges that that uh, these yeah. developers face but yeah i mean in general people shouldn't be exploited um you know with, anywhere yeah. but yeah, yeah anywhere true. yeah yeah because yeah. even where i'm with with my background and the different avenues of work that i've i've done in my past it's it's always been you know part of the deal this is what's going to happen when we were when we were doing theater we had what we called hell week which was we did everything over and over again we would get yelled at about every little minute detail that we were given instructions on and missed you know with the next you know because you're just going over everything and, and they're picking you apart um, but that's part of the deal. And that's what some people don't see. That's why I want to make sure that I got it across and then you could answer it freely as, as to the same, because you're, you're still getting paid for it. It's not like they're yes. not paying you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, as I say, the, the jobs that I work on, that's how it works. But I know that probably on a smaller indie game where they don't have as big of a budget and maybe they don't go through actors agents, maybe they have a different setup. Maybe they just have a flat fee. Um, but that's the actor's choice to choose to do that job. But I personally okay. would want to do the ones that pay by the hour. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that makes a lot of sense for sure. Um, yeah. One thing I wanted to, I mean, I'm not sure if it's still going on in the industry or if there's any changes for this as far as voice actors are concerned in general. Um, but I remember when I talked to Steve Downs, uh, wow, it was in 2015, I think, uh, right, right before Halo 5. I had a talk with uh, Steve Downs on the channel. And one thing he mentioned was at the time back then, uh, voice actors didn't really get residuals um, on games. And I'm not sure if the industry has changed yet 
or if it's still working towards that kind of change. Because I know the video game industry has exploded. They said that the income in the video game industry is bigger than Hollywood right now. So I would only think it's fair, you know, in my opinion, this is my opinion, but I think it would only be fair if voice actors were treated just as if it was a Hollywood movie. Yeah, I mean, okay, so two points there, I'd say, is that at the moment, me personally, and what I understand is the standard for a lot of actors in the UK, you get an hourly fee and you get a buyout. It's usually a standard buyout fee that covers everything. So there are no residuals as far as, as, far as I have experienced. When you are possibly a name, uh, like in, was it Willem Dafoe? Um, I can't remember, but if you're a sort of Hollywood actor and you're doing a lead in a game, maybe then you get to negotiate something else. But okay. for, for most of us who are, you know, even, you know, working at the top tier in games in the UK, that's still basically how it is, buyouts. Um, what was the second point? It was about, I can't remember now. It was about, I can't remember. It was about residuals, but I can't remember. That's okay. Okay. Uh it's a very corporate talk right now. We're talking about video I know. games. Right? I know. <laughs> and we're like residuals and contracts and it's just crazy. Um, it, but I guess it's a sign of, uh, you know, how mature we are. I feel so mature just listening to you guys talk about this stuff. All right. I wanted, so I, I wanted to make break, screaming noises on here, but okay. <laughs> can we break into something else that it's been bothering me this whole time? And I know it has nothing to do with Battletoads. Okay. What's that? But Wonder uh -oh. Woman. Oh, yes. Did we talk about that? Or is that still think, because of where the movie's at? I can't tell. I, I mean, I personally don't know anything about the plot because they don't let us, they don't. So the way it works with these big things, they're so worried about leaks that they basically give you a redacted script. So you literally only see the scenes that you're in and nothing else. <laughs> and they make you sign a million NDAs. So you can't talk about it. But uh, it looks great. <laughs> Can't wait to see it. <laughs> oh, sorry, I, I don't know. I don't, what's the premise behind that question? Sorry, do you... So, you... so I am, at least I filmed for Wonder Woman 2. Whether or not I will end up on the cutting room floor remains to be seen. So... Oh, wow. If you were in that, I will definitely watch it. If you're not, I can't be asked. I will. So... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sorry, Gal Gadot. I'm only here for Kasha. But... <laughs> <laughs> um yeah we'll see it's not a it's not a massive role but it was a fun day on set very much enjoyed it and i did see the amazons when i walked i think i can say that because they're just in the film right um yes. i saw some very very tall beautiful women walking by into their trailer and i saw chris pine walk by looking dreamy so <laughs> there you go oh, that's so cool. i, I could just picture so, so it now gaz in the movie theater in the uk if it you know if the theaters are ever open back up and it's we, in yes! the theaters gaz is gonna jump up and be like i talked to her i, I, talked I, to I, I, one. I know her I just leave the movie. Yeah, but no, that's so cool. I want to look out for you. So now I've got the Ascent to look out for. Cyberpunk, obviously, because you've given that away. And I, no, I haven't. Let's be no, clear. I have not. She's not. You said it. You made the I'm assumption. Not. Cyber what? I never heard of, I never heard of this cyber. So. I can't talk about that, guess. I don't think we so I basically, know, I'm just guessing that now that um, Kosh is so defensive, I think I've got it right now. I'm, just, I'm messing with you. I'm going to stop now before. Well, let's not get her in trouble for anything either. <laughs> yeah. um, so basically, you're, you were looking up at the Amazons and then you still 
ended up looking down at Chris Pine. Is that, <laughs> is that how it happened? I mean, he's six foot one, you're five foot three. You're still looking up at him, but yet you, you look, you know, Amazons are, are six plus. Yeah, and, they were some uh, amazing looking women. Yes. <laughs> and I just could only think, what's that like to be that tall? <laughs> um, yeah. You know, they would probably say, what's that like to be that short? You know what I mean? It's good on planes and cars. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I mean, don't feel bad. I'm short, too. Uh, When I met Treadpole in person, I looked up and I thought he was like the big green giant because he's so tall. I'm like, I'm like five, five, almost five, six. And he's like, I don't know, six foot. It six, feels like six two. foot nine, you know, but because I'm looking up like this. I hate you, Dread. Sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, I could literally put my arm in, and rest on his head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, but, you know, you don't do that sure to friends. That. It would have been funny, but yeah, nah, you know, not when you first meet. Well, somebody. I have terrible friends then because that's what they do to me all the time. So... <laughs> Kosha, um, one of the, the latest games that you worked on, at least that I have seen, is a game called The Suicide of Rachel Foster. Mm-hmm. How was that to work on? Because like, that seems like a different take of a game because like, it seems kind of like more like a darker story that they were trying to tell. Uh, was that a challenge for you? Any challenges with that one? Yeah, so that game, I was not sent... If I recall correctly, I think I was sight reading the lines on the day that we recorded. And so I walked in and I was told this, the scenario of the game. I think the developer was in the room on the day. And I had auditioned, so I knew the kind of overview of the character and of the story, but I didn't know specifically what I was going to be saying. And they did tell me it was a you know walking first person simulator and it was kind of the setting was like The Shining, so an abandoned family hotel, main character is trapped in a snowstorm and has to uncover truths, terrible truths of her past. Um, So it was quite an emotional role. It starts off sort of kind of uh, dry and, you know, she's got a sense of humor and she's quite sarcastic. But then as she discovers the truth about the past, it becomes very emotional and, you know, any time that you have to be basically cry uh, in a role, whether it's voice or on camera, it's very exposing and you feel really vulnerable, um, but it has to be done. That's the only way, you know, um, so I have to basically f- find a way to connect emotionally with the character. And then even though there are, you know, a bunch of people around watching and stuff, try and just, just be in it and, accept what's going on and uh and just try to do it authentically i always found that weird uh, i always found uh, i found that very fascinating that actor actors and actresses can do this i would think just playing scenarios in my head that i would like to think of a scenario maybe not even related to the role i'm playing at just to invoke that kind of emotion so if something crying or so maybe like something really serious to Realm myself do you do that or do you have to think of the source material do you think i'm just gonna get really morbid now like close one passing away that would invoke because you know it's serious business you're surrounded by people around you you need to make sure you start bawling your eyes out get the emotion out let me think of something because at the moment i, I that's what i would do and as a 
veteran actor that I am <laughs> um yeah. I guess that's what I would do do you do that do you think of like okay let me think of something really horrible and just get into the zone but... so it, so it depends it depends on the scenario so in in Suicide of Rachel Foster um when when I had to get emotional I had a monologue so I only had myself and and what I was saying sometimes you have the other actor that can really help um but if as I say if you're just on your own the because I was reading the scene for the first time, it had that kind of first, you know, the immediate effect of, you know, it was, I, I basically just try to imagine if I was in that scenario and this happened and, you know, what, and then I, then I feel the sort of emotion starting to bubble and I try and stay with it and give into it. That I don't know. It feels physiological. Sometimes I can feel it yeah. happening and I try to, have no judgment of how I sound or look and I just try and stay in it. Luckily, Mark, who directed that, is really sensitive, um, kind guy. So he stays in it with me and he's supportive. And when you trust, you know- well, How? People, oh, what does he do? So, like just... so, 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 so he's trying to deal with getting the performance he wants. He's also dealing with the technical of going, you know, we can't have you totally sobbing in tears here. We just need a little bit of emotion in the voice. How do you say that to an actor without shutting them down? So he's very sensitive yeah. to where I am and he'll, the way that he speaks to me, he'll be like, okay, oh, that's beautiful. You know, that's, that's great. Stay in it, stay in it. Just pull it back a little bit. You know, he sort of gets into the same, he's very sympathetic. So oh, he gets into, yeah, it's, it's, it's really important in those kind of scenes where you, you know, you know, you're literally bawling with tears. You, even though you're just, imagining uh the situation you're feeling real feelings mm. you know I, it's not like so i wouldn't say that in that in rachel foster i was thinking of anything but the story but but when you're dealing with basic things like loss or discovering someone you loved isn't who you thought they were you know those are things that we can relate to i think mm -hmm. you know on a basic level so that's what i think i'm trying to tap into have you fallen deep into it where even even you know your your director hasn't been able to pull you out where you actually have to stop and shut it down to let you process it again because you know like you said you're getting into it you're re you're you're establishing feelings either via the character's feelings or your own personal feelings to get you there because you are portraying that character it is your feelings yeah. you know what i mean but with within the story or within life that you you're reacting upon have you gotten too deep where you know you you just could not get back out of and yet you, you had to shut down and break down and then um pull I, back I, would, out. I, I would say that it's actually with, it's with that same director it wasn't a game but it was a um it was a novel that had been made into a kind of audio play and it was really dark it was a thriller and I had to get extremely emotional, really dark. And the only way to make it real was to really go there. And I wouldn't say I couldn't be pulled out, but I would definitely say that I was, I had worked myself up so that I was literally like sort of sobbing, screaming. It was like the, it was like the climax of the piece. Um, and you could see that even though we had got the scene, it was in the bag, you know, it was still there in the room. I mean, I'm still physically recover. You know, you, an emotion is actually a physical thing. Yeah. Uh, so you could see that I'm still like, 
you know, and I had to sort of take a moment to calm down, get it, just let it go. It just stays there for a bit and then it that's dissipates. Crazy. Yeah. I was going to say, that's a great question by Dreadpool. Um, yeah, I, I've never in. been in, in, in that situation myself. I have yet to portray a character like that, that I've had to do that. And it's always fascinated me. I don't know if it's a morbid way, but the lead singer from Corn, Jonathan Davis, he sang oh, Daddy. Okay. And at the end of the song, Daddy is about what happened to him when he was when he was younger. Okay. At the end of the song, he literally breaks down and he and they just let it go. And they they left it in as part of the end of the song. He's crying, screaming and everything breakdown. They, and they, they, they couldn't do anything to him or, or help him out or anything. They just let him finish it off. That's why it, that question popped in, because it's always sat with me in the back of my mind. Always. I've never been through something like that, you know, and I wouldn't want anybody to go through something like that. But it was just he got so far into the song that you know songs are part of our emotions just like acting is and and that's where he got to that's that's why i asked that question I yeah think that's I, amazing i've never sorry question go ahead uh no I, I was just gonna say that um that this is part of the craft is that always in the actor's mind you've got one side that's the emotional feeling in the moment and you've got the other side that's going Make sure you're close enough to the mic. Make sure you're not <laughs> popping your peas. Listen to the direction. Okay, we're moving on. Modulate the performance. So you've you've got these sort of two sides that are always going. And the the challenge is to try and find a happy marriage so that the anal the analysis isn't too strong or the emotion isn't too strong. Yeah. So the the emotion is guided by your analysis. That's uh, that's amazing. I always thought that that was the case. I, I, I don't know why. I like maybe I'm a psychopath. I always do that. I'm not, even though I'm not in a movie, I'd like I'll think about scenario and I'll uh, or imagine a, a fictional scenario, and I get so wound up in it. Maybe I should get into film, <laughs> and then yeah, yeah. and then I was just like uh like the 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 reactions kind of emanated in real life and then i just thought and i've always thought about that and you're the first person to have ever kind of given me that insight i've seen so many hollywood you know uh, act, you know actors talk about this but not in the way the nuanced way you've explained it that that lingering feeling how it's so guttural and so visceral that yeah, it stays yeah. with you and then the whole point about what you just mentioned about reconciling the analytic, analytical bit and then the it's a bit like schizophrenia, isn't it? It's like I'm half <laughs> acting, half in the zone, half trying to guide myself. That's crazy. Well, well that's it a is. testament to your skill set. That's amazing. Oh, well, uh, Kosha, um, I know that we're kind of like getting almost to the, you know, halfway past the two hour, almost past the hour and a half mark. Um, and I don't want to keep you, Queen, if you got stuff to do today. But um, before we start wrapping it up, I was going to ask you if, uh, if, I don't know if you can do um you know uh what's her name julie saturn rings voice and say uh you're watching four guys with quarters okay so i'm saying you are watching four guys with quarters it's like yes. quarters quarters okay okay let's see um you're watching four guys with quarters <laughs> awesome he's, uh, he, you've he's got he, he's got free licensing for that, right? So you can use, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it's totally fine. I'll just awesome. be getting that buyout at the end. <laughs> Pay royalties when you become a billionaire clowns. That's all right, guys. I mean, uh, you're, you're a, yeah, you, you over there could 
handle all the royalties for all of us guys. Um, <laughs> I want to thank you, Kosher, for coming on. I really appreciate your time, and I, I feel bad that we held you up for so long. It's really been fun talking to you and um, get, getting to know you, and the fact that you actually play video games with your family is really cool, I think, to a lot of people out, especially in our audience. They get they can relate to you uh, more than they can to some other people that, that are in the industry. And um, yeah, we just really appreciate it uh, very much. And I can't thank you enough for your time. And thank you. Thank you. It was absolutely my pleasure. Thank you. Uh, Dreadpool, Crispy, uh, Gaz, anything you want to say before we head on out of here? Yeah, I want to just... say one thing. Go ahead, Dred. Crispy. What's your next question? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we're at the end, but I mean, if I can get one more in, it's uh, you know, uh, Need for Speed Most Wanted. That that was uh, one that jumped out at me because you were the dispatcher, and I literally loved that game. And that must have been a lot of dialogue. I mean, yeah, throughout the whole game, like that's crazy. I would say that I had to name every single car. <laughs> in it <laughs> i remember one session you literally just saying every single model of car that you could possibly play yeah we've got a bugatti on blah 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 and then <laughs> just replace that with every other car <laughs> yeah that's, well, that's well, like a huge amount so that's crazy <laughs> yeah well kosha also i know that uh one thing i want to say before we get out of here uh gaz always laughs at me for this but you know, if you do have children and they love video games, Minecraft Dungeons is a wonderful game to play. Uh, I don't know if you guys have played that yet, uh, but well, that is they play Minecraft all the time. Is that sorry? I'm I'm I don't know. So is Minecraft Dungeons different? It is a little bit different. Um, it is. I believe uh, it's it's on X. It's on Xbox. I'm not sure if it's on PlayStation. It might be on PlayStation too. Uh, but it's also part of a. Xbox created this new ecosystem, which is really cool. Uh, it's called Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. So, like, let's say that you're in between when the world gets back to normal and you're in between traveling or going places or something like that. You can actually log on your phone with a controller, a Bluetooth controller or a controller hooks in and actually really play Xbox in the cloud no matter where you are. Wow. It's really cool. So you could sit That's there and play really Minecraft Dungeons with your kids, you know, while they're home with your husband, driving him crazy. You can sit there and just play games. It's something really cool, and a lot of people don't know about it, so I, I always like to talk about it because I'm a big fan of games and family-friendly games, and that is one huge one out there. Awesome. I'll check it out. All right. Oh, well, you, you definitely should. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be a podcast with uh, 4G <laughs> if you didn't plug Game Pass. I swear, I I'm on to you. I like PS Now uh, also. Microsoft. Yes, I like PS Now also, but it's not in the cloud yet. And when it is, I will tell Kosha PS Now's in the cloud, and that will be You're great. Definitely getting paid. You're definitely getting paid on no. Microsoft. I'm, I'm on to you. <laughs> I wish See, I the, wish I was. The beauty of that game. Is I was playing with with some friends that were streaming. My daughter figured out she was six years old. She figured out how to jump on the other Xbox, jump in the session that we were in and play. And I was like, "All right, I got to get going." I told her to hang up. She was still playing with them for an hour. And these are grown men playing with, you know, the six year old. And they're they're like, "Sorry, I got to kick her out because she's now she's not paying attention." And she's doing her own thing. So they're like, we got to catch you out because we can't go on to the next level without her accepting to go to the next level. They they literally let her stay in there, which is funny. And that's the beauty about games like that is everybody can play. 
and and everybody can have fun no matter your skill level yeah definitely well thank you very much kosha um thank you it's been a pleasure and i'll go ahead and end. i'm going to end the stream now at 11 oh you're not doing outros <laughs> oh yeah uh, well i mean we could do outros i just feel bad because we kept kosha on here so long but gaz, we'll do very quick we we'll do quick all right, very, all right. Very quick. gaz tell people where they can find you Everybody find me again. Whatever you can find me on YouTube and Twitter and guys. The Micro Machine Man Two has come back. <laughs> uh, um, crispy. Oh, go, go sorry, guys. Go ahead. Bomb, at, at Crispy Bomb on Twitter, Crispy Bomb Twenty Eight Xbox Live. Check out all the shows I'm on. There you go. Treadpool. It was a pleasure having you on, Kosha. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Dreadpool with O's or zeros. YouTube, Gamertag, and Stadia, Dreadpool. All letters, all caps. I've got breaking, uh, breaking, breaking bread with dread, which is on Stadia, uh, Stadia. Excuse me, uh, I'm doing too Anchor. fast. Anchor, Anchor, which is <laughs> too on fast. Anchor. That was not too fast. Yes, thank well, you. I did was too fast. Which, which is on Anchor, and it has the nine different platforms you can go on, which is uh, Spotify, uh, Apple, Amazon, all that fun stuff. Uh, break, break. Uh, Breakfast with Boom on Friday mornings, Gaming Beyond the Box Wednesday nights, and the rest of the time I'll be hanging out with the rest of the Fork and Crew on Wilmy Hood's channel. And uh, again, thank you very much. Yeah, I just before I go, I just want to say thank you so much, Kosha. Kosha. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Yes, uh, it's a weird one. It's Kosha. Kosha. Ah, Kosha. Okay. Oh, Kosha. So we've been corrected us from <laughs> we, the beginning. We should have got this right at the start. But... I know. I always feel bad. Anyway, go on. No, I just want to say thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. And it's really been eye opening. And I'm not just saying that uh, just for formality's sake. Uh, it's been really engaging talking to you and really understanding your craft. Uh, so well, me too. Really... I've really enjoyed it. No, I appreciate that. I'm really looking forward to all, uh, everything you're on the Ascent and <laughs> the Wonderman 2 and Cyberpunk. Well, you can, everybody can find me at Italian Clowns and almost all social media for guys with quarters on Tuesdays for GQ TV. And of course, um, this interview with uh, Kasha, who has been amazing and awesome to talk to. So I'll see you guys next time and we're out of here. Happy gaming. <laughs>